Welcome to the BS Book Club. I, as always, and for the last time, am your host, Bartleby Jones. Because we've done it. We've reached the end of BS versus the gods. And I certainly expect and hope that you enjoy what you hear. Chapter 47 Darkness Falls Okay, Rebus, calm down. Scotty attempts to stop the onslaught of the God of Darkness, having fully realized his power for the first time in many years. We're still friends here. Unfortunately, Rebus wasn't concerned with their friendship. He was only concerned with hurting those that tried to destroy his daughter. His normal, charming frame was suddenly bolstered to a massive size, his chest increasing in mass as two black horns sprouted from his skull. Poseidon attempts to fight back with a massive ocean wave, but Erebus merely bats it away as if it were nothing, sending it into a series of buildings which collapse under the power of the ocean. Erebus looks at Poseidon with a smirk as the god's powers grow impotent before the god of darkness. Alright, you guys have fun. I'm out. Poseidon calls, rushing off on a wave. The BS look over in shock as Scotty's mother calls in an army of middlemen soldiers to take on the mighty god. Unfortunately, as the armada pours in, they are immediately dealt with by Erebus, who sends a mighty fist to the ground, sending a crack down the road. Scotty and Blake try to hide out to formulate a plan as several soldiers fall into the multiple cracks that are being made by Erebus's fists. He seems to continue to grow in size as more and more soldiers run towards him like lemmings. Scotty looks back to see his mother rushing towards Erebus, attempting to cheap-shot him. Mom, no! Scotty screams as she attempts to run Erebus through with her sword, but to no avail. The sword breaks in half, and the god turns towards her menacingly. Scotty stares in horror, terrified of what the Lord of Darkness was going to do to his mother. I need something to protect her! I've got this, Blake comments, holding Scotty back. As Erebus pulls back his fist to destroy Scotty's mother, the boys wince. When the punch is delivered, however, it finds nothing but pain. The two look up to see Scotty's mother covered in a metal box. Oh, thank God that worked. The two watch as the metal box surrounding the leader of the middlemen slowly transforms and grows, sprouting limbs and large cannons. Scotty looks at Blake, dumbfounded, as his mother grows to a massive size, controlling a gigantic mech suit. Holy shit! Scotty laughs as his mother reaches behind her back to grab a massive warhammer, slamming it down on Erebus, who quickly dodges out of the way. The mech slowly advances on the God of Darkness, but unfortunately for them, he was fast. He quickly jumped up the mech's back and began making his way to its central core, knowing that his powers of darkness could shut off all electricity. Blake and Scotty look at each other, terrified, and jump into action. They quickly rush out into the street to distract Erebus, forcing him to jump back to the ground. Do you think you're the only god here? Scotty screams to the god of darkness, who looks at them, raising an eyebrow. Scotty smirks as he holds out a hand. Let me remind you exactly what I am god of. A giant bolt of lightning shoots from the sky as Thor's mighty hammer of legend Mjolnir appears in his hand. Blake looks over as Scotty smiles, electricity sizzling throughout his body. However, due to the massive weight of the hammer, Scotty immediately drops it to the ground, it narrowly missing hitting his big toe. Oh, fuck, that's heavy! Scotty shakes out his arm, rolling his shoulder. Damn thing pulled my shoulder out of joint, shit! 
The god of darkness merely laughs and begins walking towards the two men who look up in fear. They scramble to grab Mjolnir and raise it up. Between the two of them, they manage to hold it up just long enough to fire off one bolt of lightning that flung Erebus back into a nearby building, causing it to collapse around him. Well, that takes care of him. Scotty comments as the two begin walking towards Eris, a massive mech shielding them. Suddenly, however, a gigantic explosion is heard behind them as Erebus flies out of the rubble, immediately rushing towards the BS. Son of a bitch. Erebus was now massive, a black cloud of smoke surrounding him as he launched himself into the BS, causing them to fall to the ground in pain. Scotty stares at his hand, trying his damnedest to bring the golden gun to his palm. He knew that was the only way he could take this god out now. Meanwhile, Blake was scrambling to his feet, terrified of Erebus, whose tendrils were whipping back and forth at him, getting closer and closer. Scotty looked up, praying that Blake be safe as he continued to focus on the gun of legend, the gun that would take down this manic god. Blake attempted to jump over a large piece of rubble, but one of the black smoky tendrils immediately gripped his ankle, causing him to trip. The god of darkness slowly closed in on Blake, his ankle crushed by the might of Erebus. With a wicked smile, Erebus wrapped his massive hand around Blake's throat, choking him violently. Blake, no! Scotty screamed, staring up, praying that he feel the grip of the gun in his hand soon. Unfortunately, it wouldn't come soon enough, as Erebus feels Blake's body go limp in his hands, tossing the hero across the street into a nearby building. A massive stomp of his foot sends the building sailing down onto Blake's body. Scotty could only watch. He could only stare as the building came down around his friend, just as he could only stare when his father was crushed. Scotty looked around to watch as Ridley the dragon disappeared. He watched as his mother fell back to earth, her mech suit disappearing. In that moment, all of Blake's creations were gone. Because Blake was gone. Chapter 48. Moving on up. Rain begins to pour as Scotty's sorrow turns into intense rage. Every molecule of his body seemed to seethe with anger as Erebus laughed at his handiwork. He walked over to the pile of rubble, kicking it away from the body to reveal the broken corpse of Blake Tanner. Rebus! He hears a voice from behind him call. He turns to see Scotty, rain pouring down his body. In his hand was one of the deadliest weapons ever created, the Golden Gun. The Lord of Darkness's eyes widen as the hero continues. I know you're still in there, man. Don't make me do this. Erebus stares for a moment, terrified of even speaking. That gun was his undoing once before, and he knew it could do the same again. Unfortunately, his terror was only temporary as he quickly shakes his head, gaining back the confidence befitting the Lord of Darkness. Do you even know how to use that thing, boy? His voice had changed. It was dark, sinister. Every sentence seemed to be filled with hate as black tendrils surround his body, quickly approaching Scotty, who hastily cocks the gun. No! Don't! Scotty seems taken aback as Rebus seemed to answer him. Not the Lord of Darkness, not the Root of All Evil, but their friend, Rebus. The body continued to move, however, shifting wickedly as the two consciousnesses fought over control. No! No! No, p p please, don't, don't do this, you're a better man. 
Rebus cries in pain as his body drops to the ground in pain. Our hero walks towards him, gun in hand. He was done with the games. Rebus's eyes open wide as he feels the barrel of the pistol press against the base of his skull. No, please, Lieutenant Moore, you don't, you, you don't. What? Scotty responds, taken aback. Why are you calling me that? Please, no, not, not for me, not for me, Scott, no. Scotty's eyes widen at the mention of his father's name. Erebus continues to break down, sobbing into the concrete. It's not worth it. I don't, I don't want to see what she'll become. Rebus, snap out of it, Rebus. Scotty now begins shaking the god, attempting to wake him up from his hallucinations. In a violent coughing fit, Rebus finally wakes up, staring at Scotty. Please tell me that's you, Rebus. You didn't... You didn't kill me? Rebus asks, looking at the destruction he had caused. Scotty sits beside him on the sidewalk, rain pouring down on both of their bodies. Why? You mentioned my father's name. Why? Rebus looks down, shocked at Scotty's comment. You said, don't do it for you. I don't understand. Do you know who I was before I became a god? Rebus coughs once again as Scotty looks on, still confused. I was your father's partner. His best friend. He was a good man, Scotty. He was also... A viciously loyal man. And so one day, they sent us on a literal suicide mission. They said there was no coming back from this. We had to infiltrate the base of the Lord of Darkness himself. The most powerful deity in all of existence, and I'll be damned if they weren't right. We managed to get through his troops, but when we finally faced him, he was terrifying. No matter what we seemed to throw at him, he kept coming back ten times stronger. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Scotty comments with a scowl as he looks back to the rubble, which was now containing his best friend's body. It was during this mission that I died. Erebus took my body and whipped it against the ground again and again. I I'll tell you, it was the most damn pain I ever felt in my entire life. But nothing compared to seeing what your daddy did next. He was a good man, damn it. But in that moment, he went crazy. He took that golden gun and went after Erebus, just completely destroying him. I couldn't breathe, I couldn't speak. In my last moments, I was forced to watch as my partner, a good man, became a killer. All because of me. You don't need to be a killer to win this, Scotty. Rebus stands weakly as Scotty picks him up, wrapping an arm around his shoulder. You need to be clever. You need to use your wits. These are the tools of a middleman. That golden gun isn't. Fuck. Scotty responds with a quiet laugh, tossing the gun to the ground. Couldn't make this easy on us, could you? Oh, easy ain't in our wheelhouse. The former middleman agent replies when suddenly a figure rushes them from behind, tackling Rebus to the ground. Scotty tries to pull them away, but to no avail, she shoves him nearly halfway across the street, forcing him to fall into rubble as she whispers to her former father. Come on, Daddy. 
I know you're in there. She laughs as Rebus struggles, trying to maintain control. Why are you hiding from me, Daddy? Don't you want to play? Come on, Daddy, let's go play! I got some weird feelings about hearing a grown woman say those things. Scotty comments when suddenly Eris is blasted off of him, a giant tendril of darkness shooting her into the sky. Scotty smiles as Rebus seemingly returns to his feet until he noticed that look. Rebus, no. That look was going to be the last thing Scotty Moore saw. Rain dripped down Scotty's hair as he attempted to make a beeline for the golden gun, which he had dropped not ten feet away from himself. Unfortunately, his path was interrupted as the mighty knee of Erebus soared through the air, cracking Scotty's ribs. Our hero gasped for air as Erebus stood over him, rain dripping off his body and onto Scotty's. Black smoke began to surround Scotty's body, first filling his nostrils with the smell of burning fuel, then blinding him to the world around him. Finally, Scotty felt his mouth forced open as the trail of smoke poured into his lungs, suffocating him. Then all he saw was blackness. The next thing Scotty Moore saw was his best friend. The two were sat in what appeared to be a waiting room. Blake looks over at Scotty solemnly as his friend moved to a chair closer to his. The two wait for what seemed like hours until a figure steps out of a doorway decorating the back wall. The figure had short, spiky hair with a darkened cloak. Both heroes gulp as they see him enter, leaving a trail of fire behind him. Despite his short frame, he still shot fear through our hero's hearts. He grabs a few files from a nearby desk and approaches the heroes, sighing. He pulls out a pair of reading glasses and looks them over. Blake Tanner, Scotty Moore. <sighs> he sighs, closing both of the files. I certainly didn't expect you to this early. Chapter 49. Sympathy. Crushed by a falling building and asphyxiated by smoke, the small man laughs as he shuffles across the floor, bringing the BS back to his desk. Quite a way to go, gentlemen. You know we usually do this sorting thing like one at a time, right? Uh, we just figured you'd want to get through both of us at the same time, Mr. Uh... Scotty searches for the man's name as he sits at his desk, searching for a few files in his desk. Oh, I'm Cliff Hadesman. You guys could just call me Cliff, though. The man's soft voice wasn't exactly what the boys were expecting when Hades was talked about. They were equally surprised when he brought out a tray of snacks for them. You guys want some cake? Made it myself. I think I'm good. Blake comments as Scotty grabs a massive slice of cake and begins chowing down on it. So, I have to assume we're dead? I mean, you being Hades and all, it's hard to assume that we're not dead. Yeah, yeah, you definitely bit the big one. It's pretty shitty, but it's part of life, I guess. Cliff comments as he lays out two massive files on his desk. It's all over now, so you can just get to, I don't know, being dead and stuff. Is there not some sort of, I don't know, death reprieve thing? Scotty asks, finishing his slice of cake. I mean, we were in the middle of something kind of important. It was like this epic battle, and I think it was pretty anticlimactic for us to just die. Well, I guess you shouldn't have got killed, huh, smart guy? The man responds as he flips open both men's files. So, this is going to be the hard part for you two, I know. It's time to see where you're going to end up. Heaven? 
or hell. Meanwhile, back on Earth, Erebus has moved his path of destruction towards the army of middlemen that have quickly dwindled in numbers since the beginning of the battle. He smirks as his body blocks out the moon, spreading darkness to all underneath him. This world is mine! He laughs, shaking the foundation of the buildings around him when he suddenly feels a massive blast of energy from behind him, nearly taking his shoulder off. Oh, Daddy... He turns to see his daughter, Eris, strutting towards him. She cracks her neck as her body transforms, growing in size as her hair grows in length, pouring down her back. If you want to rule the world, you'd better get in line. And thus the two do battle, rushing towards each other. Despite Erebus's massive size, Eris seems to easily reverse his moves, using his momentum to slam him into the ground. She crawls over him to send a few punches into his face, but he quickly kicks her up and over him. The two quickly make it to their feet, and Eris swiftly rushes her father, attempting to use her size and agility to her advantage. She is unfortunately caught in midair by the dark tendrils that pour from the god of darkness, squeezed tightly as he smirks at her, ripping her necklace off and tossing it to the ground as he sneers. I have no daughter. October 13th, 2011. Mr. Moore committed carnal sins in a graveyard with a married woman. Wow, man. Cliff sighs as he slowly moves Scotty's cursor closer to hell. That's like five points towards hell. You're not doing too good, buddy. Damn it, that's like three bad things in a row. Scotty sighs as Blake looks over at him, smirking. Blake's cursor still rests firmly in the heaven section of Hadesman's sliding scale. You know, if you didn't give all those homeless people pizza, we'd at least be going to the same place. June 26, 2013, Mr. Moore tackled a baby. Cliff comments with a sigh as Scotty grabs another slice of cake, deciding if he had to go to hell, he was going to carb load beforehand. April 24, 2015, Mr. Moore assaulted a mother duck, choking her in front of her children. Look, that duck had it coming! Scotty screams with a mouthful of cake. Back on Earth, Eris has gone insane, having heard her father publicly denounce her. Green energy surrounds her body as she violently begins destroying all those in sight. Numerous men, women, and middleman soldiers all have died at her hands while Erebus run in fear. Eris, please! The God of Darkness urges, having taken a complete 180 from his confident assault on her earlier. It seems that Erebus was the final straw that broke her back. The god finally collapses in a heap as Eris floats back to the ground, finding the golden gun lying in a puddle nearby. So, you're not my father, eh? Eris laughs as Rebus returns to his normal form, finally taking control of his body once again. Unfortunately, he couldn't enjoy that control for long as Eris puts the gun to his skull. Then this is going to be a whole lot easier. October 22nd, 2016. <sighs> Mr. Moore drunkenly screamed at random passerbys at Universal Studios. Cliff continues after what seemed like hours of recounting Scotty's sins, moving his cursor further and further down the board towards hell. Look, I feel like we know what the result of this is going to be. Scotty sighs as Cliff flips to another page, his eyes widening. Suddenly, a phone begins ringing loudly on his desk, and he picks it up. Yes? All right, I understand.
Okay. Cliff hangs the phone back up and sighs heavily, going back to his work. Apparently there's a huge influx of souls today. Not sure what that's all about. And I'm sure you just hate that, right? All that paperwork you gotta do. Blake comments with a smile as Scotty catches on to Blake's grift. Yeah, I bet you wish you could just sit back and focus on your baking. Scotty smiles as he takes another slice of cake. I mean, it's clearly the thing you're best at. You know what? You're right. These damned souls. Cliff comments with a sigh. I just... I just wish someone out there could make it stop. Oh, really? Blake responds with a smile as Cliff looks up at the two, furrowing his brow. Scotty leans in with a frosting-covered smile as he comments, What if I told you we could? Moments later, the two heroes are rushed back to Earth in a puff of white smoke, both carrying slices of those famous homemade cliff cakes. The man known as Hades smirks, returning to his desk where he looks down at Scotty's file, pulling out a pen. December 21st, 2017. Mr. Moore saved the world. Cliff quickly writes down, turning back to move Scotty's cursor firmly into the heaven section of the spectrum. He sighs and leans back, taking a bite of his cake. He better not prove me wrong. Chapter 50. Fusion. Eris smirked as she checked the gun's chamber, ensuring it not misfire. She walked teasingly around Rebus, torturing him for having disowned her. Finally, he stares up at her, furious at her for forcing him to wait. Well, what are you waiting for? Rebus grabs the barrel of the gun, pressing it to his forehead. If you're gonna do it, then do it. Oh, but I was having so much fun, she growls wickedly. With a small smirk, however, she cocks the gun, her finger wrapping around the trigger. But if you insist... Whoop! A giant beam of white light soars down from the sky, distracting Eris. She turns to see it shooting directly into a pile of rubble not but a few feet away from them. She growls, her muscles tensing as she walks over to the source of the light. Note from the BS. Guys, did the author just use womp as an onomatopoeia? Like, you know, womp, there it is. Like, oh my god, I swear to god, if we don't defeat Eris in like some sort of epic basketball game, then that was a wasted opportunity. No way! Scotty exclaims happily as he sits up, checking himself for any injuries. He smiles when he notices a few rocks moving in the pile of rubble near him. A little help, bud? Blake grunts as his lower half remained covered in the boulders. Scotty quickly rushes over to pull his friend out of the building's remains. The two quickly dust themselves off as they stand when suddenly, Scotty, move! Blake quickly pushes Scotty out of the way of an oncoming sword thrown by Eris. They look up to see the enraged goddess rushing towards them, manifesting swords and quickly tossing them at the BS. They quickly roll out of the way of the weaponry, Scotty grabbing one of the blades as it hits the ground. The hero rushes Eris with the sword, attempting to slice at her ankle, but is stopped by Eris, her heel digging into his shoulder as she shoves him backwards onto the concrete. She stands over him, smirking, as she holds her sword to the sky, readying to plunge it into Scotty's heart. Ah, damn it, not again. Scotty sighs, prepping himself to die for the second time today. Suddenly, however, another sword soars through the air and into Eris' shoulder. She turns to see Blake standing there, proudly holding multiple swords in his arms.
You won't defeat me. Eris growls as Blake begins tossing more swords at her. She quickly evades these, however, walking closer and closer towards Blake, angrily staring at the young hero, now empty-handed. Is that all you've got? I mean... Blake quickly kicks her in the shin and tries to run away, but she swiftly turns and grabs Blake by the leg, forcing him to trip and fall to the ground next to his friend. The BS lay in a puddle of their own blood as Eris smiles, readying to send them back to where they just returned from. Unfortunately for Eris, however, this was the moment that the BS noticed something. Something that sat a mere few feet away from them. A broken half of the Necklace of Harmonia. The goddess of discord quickly realizes their plan and shoots forward, manifesting two swords to take them down. Eris was too slow, however, for in that moment, both Scotty and Blake managed to roll away and each grab half of the mystical amulet. Eris soared through the air, attempting to stop them, but merely fell on her face. Blake and Scotty stare at each other, realizing what they had to do. Are you ready? Blake yelled, rain pouring down his face, dripping off his goatee. Scotty looked down at his half and merely smirked. Always am, buddy. And thus the two men ran for each other, holding the amulet high. Eris tried to jump back to her feet and stand between them, but the BS were ready, both jumping off of large pieces of rubble and soaring through the air majestically. And in that moment, time froze. As Blake and Scotty's hands met, joining the two pieces of Harmonia back together, a loud boom sounded, and a massive explosion filled the streets. A bright light nearly blinded those who had survived Eris's initial onslaught. The sheer force of the exercise left both of our heroes unconscious, laying in the road. Moments later, they slowly awaken, rubbing their eyes. They clear their throat and stand, dusting off their clothes and they look up to discover Eris, staring at them in horror. Neither was exactly sure why this deity suddenly looked on them with such fear, but they didn't mind it. Well, that was one hell of a high five. They seem to comment together as they look at the destruction surrounding them. They slowly walk through the rain, staying aware of Eris's presence, still worried she may try something. So, where is Harmonia? That's weird. Once again, they seem to comment in unison. They look around for the God of Harmony, but they're nowhere to be seen. They pass by the remains of an old shop, catching their reflection in a mirror. Wait a minute. No way! It was then that the BS discovered why they had been so mentally linked for the past few moments. They looked in their reflection to see a young man, sporting a beard not unlike Scotty's, but also long hair as Blake is known to have. It was as if both heroes were mixed together in a blender, and this is what came out. Holy fuck, we're the same dude! What? We're the same dude! I know! The two spoke back and forth with each other, admiring their new form. They shook their head, letting their hair whip around before commenting, Dude, we look like Jesus! In this moment of distraction, Eris had taken upon herself to stand in the streets, readying herself for battle. The now unified BS attempt to get used to their body as they turn to see the goddess herself clad in ancient armor sporting a massive sword. She was ready for a war. So tell me, brother! She tosses a sword to the BS, who pick it up confused as the two circle each other in the rain. Are you ready to do battle? Did she just call us brother? The hero asks nervously as they quickly make a stunning realization. Damn it. I knew we'd have to do this shit alone. Why? Well, 
To put it quite simply, we are Harmonia. Chapter 51. Harmony is alive. Let's do this. Harmonia laughs to himself as he picks up the massive sword, wielding it awkwardly. Eris could only stop and stare as the heroes tries to parry and strike at her with his weapon. Uh, what seems to be the problem here? I'm left-handed, he replies to himself as Eris giggles, realizing this battle was going to be easier than she thought. She stares at her reflection in her sword, then turns to battle. I know, but I figured that would just make us ambidextrous, not shitty with both hands. Eris rushes the man as he argues with himself, holding her sword high. Harmonia quickly looks towards her and panics, dropping to his back and flipping her over him using his feet. They quickly make their way back to their feet, grabbing their sword with both hands. The hero rushes the villain, swinging the sword up and down in a ridiculous fashion. Imagine a crazed woodsman swinging an axe up and down, and you'd be close to the manic swinging our heroes were engaging in. Luckily for them, this action seemed powerful enough to frighten Eris, who quickly went on the defense, blocking their attacks. The goddess blocks a huge swing from the BS, quickly sliding her sword down and tackling them with her shoulder. Now it was her turn to attack as she went on the offensive, quickly showering Harmonia with a series of strikes that our heroes narrowly avoided. We gotta do something other than this! The heroes scream as they quickly roll behind a car, rushing to a hiding spot. Well, do you have any bright ideas? No, I just know this isn't working! Well, what do you want me to do about it? A homeless person looks over at the crazy person arguing with themselves in the alleyway, eyebrow raised. He tries to walk over to talk the insane man out of his ramblings when suddenly, Look, we're in the body of Harmonia, the spirit of agreement. You can't try to control everything, Scotty. For once, Blake completely took over the god of harmony, urging his friend to release control for a moment. You can't do this on your own. And neither can I. You're right there, big fella, the homeless man asks when suddenly a bright beam of light surrounds Harmonia, his hair standing on end. Golden rays seem to shine off of the deity as the homeless man steps back, wondering if he was the crazy one all along. If we do this, the god's voice had changed. No longer did it sound like the ramblings of two madmen in the same body, it was now one voice, one mind. The two men had fully connected in harmony. We do this together. Get out, now. Harmonia urges the homeless man who quickly runs out of the alleyway. The two heroes, joined as one, turn back into the street. Eris merely stands there, smirking as her brother re-enters the battle. She holds both swords high as she chuckles to herself. So, boys, got everything figured out? A green fog surrounds her swords as she prepares to end Harmonia once again, and this time for good. Did you decide to go with the left hand or the right? Both. He replies with a smirk as he reaches behind his back to pull out a massive broadsword, holding the massive weapon with both hands as two angelic wings sprout from his back. Eris looks in horror as Harmonia flies into the sky, prepared for battle. Note from the BS. Wow, so after Blake had that whole... I can't do this alone speech, we both kind of blacked out, so we don't remember most of this, but holy shit, it sounds really epic. 
Eris stares angrily, leaping into the air towards her brother, who flies down with his broadsword. Eris tries her best to somehow one-up the god, but to no avail. Every strike was parried, every move was reversed, for everything Eris threw at Harmonia, there was a response. No! You can't! I did this for us, brother! She screams at the god of harmony as he quickly goes to the offensive, striking Eris down with a quick blow to her skull. The goddess quickly falls to the earth, her swords falling at her side. She quickly scrambles for the weapons until Harmonia stops her, holding her down. I did this for our family. I did this to fight those bastards. She gestures to the corpses of the middlemen elite fighting team that lay around them. Do you not see, brother? I destroyed them for us. For me and you. Do you not remember what they did to us? Yes. They made sure what stay above, stay above. What stay below, stay below. Eris's eyes widen as her brother recites the middleman credo. What is in the middle is left for them, allowing harmony to reign. You bastard! Eris screams, realizing her brother has been on the side of the middlemen all along. You defy your family? You defy the gods? You will pay for this! You will- She is interrupted by the cocking of a gun. She quickly quiets down to discover the golden gun pointed directly at her forehead. A tear runs down her face as she realizes that the man she was staring at was not her brother. She knew her brother would never kill her. Fine. Do it. She lays back against the concrete, accepting her fate. You think I won't just come back twice as powerful? I don't care whose form I take, whose body I steal, I will still control them, and I will still be here to destroy you. You're right. Harmonious smile, standing off of his sister. She stares up dumbfounded as he begins to walk away. No! Get back here, you coward! She screams, her voice breaking. You held the gun to my skull! You had it cocked and loaded! Kill me! I would. But, ironically enough, I need you. Harmony wouldn't exist without you. My powers would be nowhere near as strong without you. Besides, he smirks and puts the gun to her head, pulling the trigger. It just clicks. You know I'd never kill my sister. What? Eris looks up, furious. You... you're really him? Brother? Brother, you nearly killed me! Uh, oh no, I'm not gonna do that. I don't kill people. He smiles as he pulls her off of the ground, embracing her. Eris melts into his arms when she suddenly feels two handcuffs brace her wrists. And we're gonna make sure you don't kill anyone ever again. Eris looks behind her, shocked to see Deborah Moore, the leader of the middlemen, holding her captive. She struggles against her restraints, calling after her brother as she's placed in a middleman cruiser. Harmonia stares off happily when suddenly his entire body is bathed in white light. His form begins to mold and shift, splitting at an atomic level. Blake and Scotty are both spat out from the figure, quickly running away to avoid the imminent explosion. They duck behind some cover as a bright burst of light shines throughout the street. As the light fades, the BS look at each other confused. They slowly stand up, dusting debris off of themselves. When they enter the battlefield, however, they discover a new figure waiting in the middle of it. 
Blake had to assume that this was the new reincarnation of Harmonia. Scotty had a different name for him, however. Dad? Chapter 52. Until next time. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the man standing before the BS that day, the man who Hades saw fit to replace the spirit of Harmonia, was Lieutenant Moore, Scotty's father. Tears run down the hero's cheek as he rushes towards his father, embracing him. <laughs> you doing all right, little dude? Harmonia asks as Scotty looks up at him, fighting back tears. I heard you met Cliff. Yeah, he's a pretty nice guy. Uh, yeah. Scotty clears his throat, wiping the tears off his face. He was pretty cool. So I guess you talked to him? Yeah, said I got to come back to be a god. He chuckles as Blake looks up at him, dumbfounded. It's pretty ironic, really. Spent my whole life fighting him, only to end up becoming one of them. Don't act like the middlemen aren't stopping that fight, either. A voice utters from behind him. He turns to see his wife, the leader of the middlemen, staring back at him. He goes to embrace her, but she stops him. You know the rules. What stay above, stay above. And what stay below, stay below. He replies as the two share a knowing smirk. Blake and Scotty sigh, beginning to exit when Harmonia grabs them from behind. Wait! Cliff wanted me to bring you guys something. From behind his back, the new god produces a large cake, reading, Good work. The BS boys smile for a moment and dig into the cake, which tasted sweeter than anything they had ever had before. The taste was unfortunately bittersweet for Blake Tanner, however, who watched as middlemen cruisers took Eris away. Wait, something's not right. He comments as the reunited Moore family turns to him, confused. There's still good men in those middlemen bases. Just because they're gods doesn't mean they're evil. I mean, D was a good man. They're still gods. They're still walking time bombs ready to go off. Scotty's mother comments, sighing as she looks over to her husband, now one of the very gods that she was speaking about. We can't take the risk of letting them out. We can handle it, Scotty comments, joining his friend. I mean, we took care of this time bomb, and we'll take care of any that come after this. But you can't just keep them locked up forever. It's going to cause something ten times worse than what happened here today. We'll talk about this later. She comments as she and her husband retreat to a black limousine pulling up beside them. The BS watch sadly as they drive off, unsure of where to go next. The duo sit on the sidewalk, nursing their injuries from the battle. So, what do we do now? Blake asks, looking off into the distance. The duo seemed like the only thing left in this destroyed center of the city. Scotty looked over at his friend and smiled. Dave and Busters? He smiles, pulling out his keys as Blake looks over with a raised eyebrow. You driving? Blake asks as Scotty stands, stretching his back. Uh, nah, I'm good. He smiles as he tosses Blake the keys, walking towards their car. I'm too tired anyways. The duo begin to walk off as the sun rises behind them. The battle had lasted all night, but it was now a new day for our heroes. Though the night was long and painful, they made it through. Despite everything thrown at them, including death itself, they made it through. Bzzz. The two stop as Scotty's phone begins vibrating in his pocket. They look at each other more confused that the hero's phone survived the battle more than anything else. The two look down to read the words, Private Caller, across the top of the screen. Damn, you died before your phone did. Blake comments with a laugh as Scotty slowly answers his phone. 
Uh, hello? Scotty asks sheepishly when suddenly a voice booms in response. Oh, yeah. Yeah, hello? Yeah, is this... is this Scotty Moore? Scotty immediately knew who it was, but could barely believe it. It was the voice of a man who sounded and looked suspiciously like Patrick Warburton, but was definitely not Patrick Warburton. I know you know who I am, but I've got a question for you. How quickly can you make it to Washington? Hours later, our heroes are standing before the President of the United States himself. He looks down upon both of them with pride, bestowing them both with massive middleman medals and their official middleman pins. The two look down on it with pride as fanfare blazes in the background. Now, I know you're both proud of what you've done today. The President smiles at both of them as middleman's staff, including Scotty's mother and father, look on with pride. But now... You've got to do your duty as a middleman. You've got to maintain your privacy. There are numerous news stations outside that door. The duo look at each other confused as the president continues. We need you to go out there and tell them the truth. That this was just a training exercise. Nothing more, nothing less. Both of them are handed note cards featuring a detailed story of their battle in Birmingham. They're only given a few moments to look them over and are subsequently tossed into the press room, surrounded by flashing lights, loud paparazzi, and thousands of adoring fans. Um, hi, Blake comments into the microphone as dozens of fans cheer, many wearing officially licensed BS merchandise. Blake clears his throat as he reads off his card. We brought you here today to tell you the truth. The videos and news reports that you've seen in the past weeks, Scotty struggles to read these words off of his note card. He looks over to see his mother, giving him a big thumbs up as he continues, are completely and totally true. Blake yells into the microphone as Scotty looks over at him with a shit-eating grin. Scotty's mother goes into panic mode as the BS tell the press their story. There are gods amongst us. Some mean to protect us, but some don't. But have no worries, people. Scotty smiles as the two men join together in telling the world the truth. The wicked gods will be dealt with, and the wicked gods should be afraid, because before, they only had to deal with a small army, but now, they have to deal with the two greatest damn men of all time. Blake yells into the microphone. And that means he, the B to the L-A-K-E, it's Blake Tanner! Scotty points to his friend as Blake grabs his hand, holding it high. And the S-C-O-T-T-Y-E, Scotty Moore! Blake giddily yells as the crowd begins to chant their names. So all you demons, gods, and other ne'er-do-wells, look out, because you've got a whole load of pure BS coming after you, except no substitute. Scotty is interrupted by his mother, who quickly rushes both of the boys on stage, tackling them over and leaving them lying. Ladies and gentlemen, she quickly comments, hopping to her feet and fixing her hair. No further questions. So not only did I kill off one of the BS, I killed off both of them and then brought them back to life. I watched a lot of Supernatural during this time, so I was like, oh yeah, that's the vibe I'm going for. Also, it allowed me to introduce 
easily my favorite god character, which is Hades. It just... He's such a fun character to play with because you expect, oh, I'm the spooky, scary devil, or I am, I am uh, the funny Hercules, Hades. But no, he's just kind of this very casual, fun-loving dude who enjoys making cakes. So I, I very much enjoy Hades. I, I loved him a lot. I, I really did. Um, these chapters are where things get very, very crazy. It's where. It kind of uh, drives home the point of the book, which is this danger of getting radicalized because it shows what happens when that anger and that passion takes you too far. As we saw, that's what happened with uh, Scotty's father in the book is the fact that he was radicalized by the middleman way and it led to him killing uh, another person. Yes, that person was a god, but as we've learned, gods are people in a way in these books. So there's... A lot of gray area to work with here. And so, of course, Scotty learns, don't be radicalized. Very much understand what people are going through. Try to approach it from every angle. And that's what he does with Erebus is he looks and he goes, I I want to understand you. I don't want to kill you. I don't want to kill anybody. And it's in that moment that he earns his forgiveness and then also earns his uh, death. Because, yes, it is fun to say, oh, I'm a good person because I didn't shoot you, but he was going to kill you anyway. So maybe work on your defense uh, in that moment, Scotty. But I, I will say it's because that was the nature of his character. He was a character seeking, uh, not retribution, but almost forgiveness. Uh, as we saw in the scene when he is with Hades, he has lived, uh, he's done a lot of bad things through his life. In fact, a majority of the, the, the stories that were brought up during that section were real stories from Scotty's life. And so he is a person who is seeking forgiveness for being this bad person. And uh, in a way, it's almost in the book driving him to become the exact opposite. Being so afraid of doing anything bad that he does easily forgive in the book. He is trying to be a good person no matter what. And it does lead to his demise. But luckily, Hades fixes it. And... Uh, it, it, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the ending with um, with uh, Blake and Scotty fusing together. Of course, the whole nature of this book has been about yin and yang, the importance of it all coming together. There can be no light without dark. There can't be a Blake without a Scotty. They come together in this perfect, harmonious moment, and it finally gets them to stop, sh stop the arguing, just shut up, listen to each other, and work together. And it leads to this epic final conflict. I, I will say, if there was one thing I would change, I feel like I did kind of go a little too cheesy with the ending. With the whole Lilo and Stitch, I'm going to hunt down every god and make sure he has his place thing. And then, of course, with Harmonia being revealed to be reincarnated in Scotty's father's body is a little bit much, I think. It was a little bit ham-fisted, but, uh, you know, you learn and you keep moving forward. Uh, I will say Scotty did kind of force me into this Iron Man ending, but I don't know. It was a little... Un I, I'm not really sure how I... Hey! What? No. Okay. No, okay. I didn't even get to plug Patreon so yet. Patreon.com slash a load of BS. I saw, so I watch Iron Man one too many times and suddenly, oh no, Scotty's trying to copy Iron Man. Doop -doop. You know what? Fine then. I'm going to rewrite the ending. The BS way.
Chapter 53. Epilogue. So, that was the end of the novel. We had it printing, everything was going fine, and then today we showed up and found a note pinned to our door. A note that caused us to immediately stop the printing process and reopen this tome. Here's the note for you all, in full. Note from the B.S. Uh, greetings, readers. I'm sure you found that ending just about as satisfying as we did, so we here at the B.S. have taken it upon ourselves to write a much better ending for you. We hope you enjoy it. <coughs> Months have passed since the great speech that the B.S. gave at the White House. There was absolutely no fallout from it, and nobody got mad. We promise no one was upset or angered by it, and we we definitely didn't get put in middleman prison for, like, three weeks. Blake and Scotty have become world-famous celebrities, and the podcast has stayed at number one on the iTunes charts for many weeks now, becoming the basis for several new major religions. Their podcast was no longer the most important thing in their lives, however. It was their wives. Yes, the B.S. have both found love with their hot moon wives. Oh, shit. Hold on. Uh, take it back. I forgot to mention we live on the moon now. Yeah, like in domes and shit. Elon. Elon set us up with, like, everything. Dude's awesome. So we live on the moon and fuck hot moon princesses. It's dope as hell. Um, <clears throat> Despite all of their successes, however, the B.S. still managed to stay humble, holding monthly charity fundraisers for their official charity... The B.S. Children's Fund for Children to Know How Cool We Are. It's the most successful charity the Earth has ever seen. Don't think their lives are all relaxation and luxury, though. The B.S. still are adventurers through and through, finding exciting quests waiting around every corner. They fought dragons, killed zombies, and traveled through time to kill a guy named Jim. No, it's, it's cool. He was a huge dick. But all in all, the B.S. are still one thing above all else, however best friends. They still get together for weekly Dave and Buster's dinners, they still argue over who gets to drive around, and most importantly, they still get together and try to entertain the masses with the greatest show on the planet, A Load of B.S., which can be found on iTunes, YouTube, or wherever great podcasts are found. Finale from the B.S. Okay, so that's it, guys. The totally accurate ending to this story. We'd like to thank you for buying our book and giving us money for whiskey. We'd like to thank you for your unconditional support. And we'd like to remind you to find us on Twitter at a load of pure BS. Except no substitutes and we will see you next time. Because there's totally gonna be a sequel. Probably. Maybe? I don't know.